Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Stewardship of You. This is a Peak Energy Nutrition podcast. I am your host, Greg Darley, and we are here to support busy leaders. Uh, You know, we spend a lot of time talking about how we need energy to do our jobs, to fulfill our callings. And the reality is, is your personal energy, it's up to you, right? You can't punt this to someone else. Uh, This is why we say that energy is a stewardship. And so, listen, you owe it to those that you lead and those that you love to bring your best energy. So I'm excited about today's episode. And if you found it helpful, please share it with a friend. Uh, And if you love this episode, which I really think you're going to, uh, leave us a review on your favorite podcasting uh, element. However you're listening to this, uh, leave us a review that helps just spread the words. Uh, And as a thank you today uh, for, for those that are listening, you can use the code podcast at peakenergynutrition.com for 10% off your entire order today. These are premium supplements to help busy leaders. Again, that code is podcast. All right, let's get to it. Uh, I am excited about today's guest. Um, I have got just a good friend and just brilliant leader. Uh, Jess Beeler has been working in children's ministry, family ministry, uh, really church leadership for, for 20 years. Um, she spent six of those years overseeing standard system staffing atmosphere uh, at Elevation Church, helped launch, I think, 20 campuses, 20 locations. So she really is an expert in multi-site, kids multi-site, all, all those stuff. Um, she's also um, a mom, a wife, uh, super active. She's got just a ton going on. I'm really excited to have her on the show. And so welcome, friend. Glad you could join us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. So as one of the top, and can I say the top, uh, family ministry consultants, right? You've, you've wow. earned your stripes in the trenches, right? It's not like, you know, you've got some experts, you know, quote unquote, because they, you know, they read a few books or they, you know, um, put up a website, but you actually were in the trenches. You've been in the trenches for so long uh, in ministry. I'd love for you to just to give us a little bit of that journey so people can really appreciate, I think, the perspective that you bring. So give us kind of a flyby of, uh, of your journey. Sure. So I started when I was 19 years old. My dad was a church planter in um, rural East Tennessee, and he came to me and said, hey, Jess, I need someone to oversee um, the children's ministry at this new church that I'm planting, and would you do it? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I said, I, I am not interested in that, Dad. I had big plans. I uh, wanted to be a political journalist. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine the nightmare that would be right now <laughs> in this climate that we're in? Um, but that's that was my goal, my ambition, and essentially looked at me and said, um, well, there's nobody else. So it's me and you and your mom and your boyfriend who eventually became my husband. He was like, so somebody's got to do it. And so he sent me to this church. You might have heard of them. They're starting their up and coming um, North Point. And he said, learn everything you can about children's ministry. I did. I spent some time down there and learned everything I could, came back and tried to put together relevant ministry. I was with him for almost 10 years. And um, man, what an incredible journey. He went multi-site. The church grew um, from four um, from four people to, um, at one point, we were um, knocking on 600 people in a very rural town. That was We were like the biggest church, you know, other than First Baptist. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that was, it was, man, it was such an incredible journey. We, my husband and I relocated 
relocated to Charlotte immediately within our first week, got plugged in with Elevation Church. Um, we were volunteer staff. I'm sure some of the people listening probably know what that means. Um, we were volunteer staff for about a year until they asked us to come on. And then we launched um, their first campus that was kind of outside of the Charlotte area. And um, and then a year later, we went on the executive team and sat there um, on the executive team for the duration of our time at Elevation. And like I, uh, like you mentioned, I, I launched 16 locations for them, um, 20 overall, but um, 16 locations for them. And um, man, I had an incredible team there. Most of them are still there. It's an incredible team. Uh, we relocated to Atlanta because Frank had, and my husband had an incredible opportunity to be a part of something new and exciting here in Atlanta. And so we've been here in Atlanta for um, about three and a half years now and um, just helping churches all around the nation, um, both with multi-site family ministry. So kids and students, um, leader development, all those good stuff. So yeah, now I'm a church, church coach and, um, and mom of four and, author and, um, you know, try to squeeze in some, um, lake time every once in a while. <laughs> so I, I joke with people, I said, you know, I've been working with leaders for a long time and there's kind of two observations I have with, you know, leaders is one is that they're busy. Yes. Right. Um, oh. you know, and then the other one is, man, we all need to get healthier in some, some area. Um, uh, but you're definitely busy. Uh, I think you're definitely healthier than, than most. Um, knowing you and some of your routines, but I'd love for you to dive in. Obviously this has been just an, I mean, all the adjectives for what this year has been, but it is what it is, right? So it's one of those where I think that we can fight it or we can, you know, try to label it and kind of put it off and, but it just is what it is. We have to deal with it. And so with that reality for you personally, like what are you doing to stay sane, to stay healthy? Um, how do you keep your energy up? Right. Cause I know as a consultant, but heck, as a mom of teenagers, like, man, if your energy is down, yeah. right, I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to be hurting in a few weeks, right? So it's one of those where, what are you doing right now? I'd love to hear a little bit kind of your routine or, you know, what's, what's kind of some of the backstory. And I know the cool exercise thing that you got that I want to ask you about uh, too. So well, exercise thing, yes. Um, well, you know, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And so um, I, I know that this season has been really hard for everyone. Um, I think there for, if you are three, this has been probably the one of the most frustrating seasons because we are results driven. Like I, you know, I love to hit a deadline and hit a mark and, you know, when I'm super competitive um, and I'm super competitive in a season where it feels like no one is winning ever, you know, and that can be incredibly frustrating. Um, I absolutely expected for us to be out of this by the time that June and July rolled around. I was like, it's going to be fine. So by the time summer comes around, we're going to be, we're going to be back to normal. Um, and so I think that one of the things that I've had to do is just, um, examine my expectations. You know, I've heard, I had a pastor once call it the expectation gap, um, where, you know, what you expect and then what actually happens like reality, there's this expectation gap and that's where our frustration and our weariness comes in. And so I started really kind of setting my expectations on a weekly basis now, um, because I can, I have no idea what's going to come next week. I have no idea what's going to come next month. Um, you know, I have kids in sports and I have no idea if they're going to have fall seasons, um, which is incredibly frustrating because they've been working super hard. So one of the things that my husband and I do is we sit down every Sunday night and we kind of lay out our expectations for the week, the things that we're expecting, the things that, um, like we know, you know, like this is not going to go as planned as we had originally, but this is what we can do about it. So I think the first thing for me just mentally has been just, um, instead of planning long-term, which is what I like to do is really kind of saying, okay, what can, how can we win this week? You know, what can we do? And 
and on the topic of energy, I mean, honestly, it, it's really, really, um, for three, for someone like me, when I have a goal and I don't meet it, um, it's, it's an energy zap because it's a mental, like it's all mental for me. I'm like, I failed. I didn't, you know, and so that's really frustrating. So for me, one of the ways that I've overcome that is just setting expectations on a weekly basis. Um, and then if I don't meet those re-examining them for the next week and making the adjustments that I need to. So, I mean, that's been super helpful. I also have, and I know you're going to mention my exercise, um, uh, solution that I have right now, but, um, I make it a priority to work out for an hour every single day. Um, I need one hour where my heart is racing and I am giving it my all. And I immediately have this sense of accomplishment. Again, that's that three in me. I accomplished something. I met my goal and, um, I need that for my, for my sanity. And, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, how many times have we heard like the quarantine 20, you know, <laughs> like I made it a priority. And from the very beginning, I was like, I'm not going to be I'm that, that freshman 15, you know, when we're all back in college, that's not happening during quarantines, you know? So we had to just reevaluate what we were going to eat while we were in quarantine and sheltering in place. So, I mean, I made some adjustments for sure. Um, you know, and I think the biggest thing for me has been mental adjustments, just, um, like reexamining the expectations that I have on myself and in, in, in my life for sure. I love that. I love the, the, that, that expectation gap, um, you know, with a lot of folks that I, when they're just getting into, you know, a, a new workout regimen or they're, Hey, I want to, I want to lose some weight or I want to, you know, they're, uh, like, what can I do to get my energy up? I was texting with a, a, a friend two nights ago and basically he was just loads of questions like, man, I started this new job now and it's more physical. So like my energy, I'm just zapped it in the day and then I don't, I'm not sleeping well. And so he's like, what can I do? And so we're talking about a plan, some stuff he can do. And just the reality is, all right, we're not talking about magic, right? This is a, you know, we're not going to do this. And then, oh, boom, everything is 100% better. There's going to be a gap, yeah. that, that, those expectations. And it's funny because I think your personality drives that uh, um, previous episode talking with, with Charles Lee out in California, uh, runs ideation, cool uh, firm out there doing some really great work and he's a three. And so we're talking about, it's just funny of like just the, the driven and you've got those expectations. And yeah. then if you can't hit them, like, well, who can you blame? Well, me, you know, so it's like, right. I got to blame myself. You, know, you have to do that. Right. Um, all right. So, so weekly, weekly resets. I, I, I love that. I think that's super helpful. Um, Cause I think that when I work with leaders, on looking at again, hey, when you're going into certain seasons, like your energy is going to be different, right? If you're if you're going into like when I worked for this big nonprofit up in DC, there was a stretch there where when the board was in town, it was just it was two to three weeks of prep because I mean you're you're a seventy million dollar organization. There's a lot of prep and hey, we got to have this and that and all these meetings and stuff, and then you know, they're, you're meeting all week and it's like, man, that season just requires a different amount of focus and, and, um, you know, the ability to sit down and look at spreadsheets for hours, you know, for someone like me, that's miserable, but you know, that it's just going to require something different. Right. So there is that, that, that seasonal reality. Uh, I love that. 
It's so true. Like one of the things that I'm in right now, and you and I talked about this right before we got started, but like my um, firstborn son uh, moved, went to college last week and um, I was super emotional about it. I'm super close with all of my children. He probably called me no joke 20 times a day, told me, kept me up to date on every aspect of his life. Um, I mean, so it was incredibly emotionally draining for me. Um, And so Last week, and even into this week, I saw my energy kind of begin to drain away because of the emotional toil that I was struggling with. Not even just like the deadlines or whatever, just like my emotions were all over the place. And I even realized like, I've got to this week, knowing that like my emotions are kind of all over the place and that it's draining me, I kind of have to reset what I'm doing so that my, you know, I can use those peak times of the day more effectively, but I had to literally like look and be like, okay, I know my emotions are crazy right now. What do I need to do right now to set some healthy rhythms? That's most people don't have that self-awareness because the, the truth is our bodies don't differentiate with stress, right? So in stress, I, I mean, I always make this joke. It's like, Hey, stress actually is a lifesaver. And that's what it was meant for is that right. when, you know, Years ago, if you were a hunter-gatherer and you came upon a lion or a bear, your, your body went into stress, which allowed you to run fast as crap so you could not die or get eaten, right? So that's the, stress is a really good thing. When it's short and it's acute, it's a good thing, right? You, you sprain your ankle, that stress is acute and it helps healing. Long-term stress or the drip stress is what I like to call it today. It's just drip stress. It's traffic and another email and another Zoom call. And, you know, oh, we have to change our plans again. Oh, that. And you could just, just the stress, the stress, the stress. Well, that all is connected. And then the, the emotional stress is a reality, right? Mm-hmm. The emotional stress, it's the same as if you are running from a bear or, you know, you get, um, you know, dehydrate all those things that's just the, all those things at the end of the day they just come to stress and if yeah. we don't deal with them you know um all right so i want to go i want to backtrack because i don't want to miss it so so you work out hard for an hour today tell tell folks about about some of you, some of your workouts what you're doing um yeah. and what that's been like Yep. So, um, as soon as the gym started closing down, like I'm a gym rat, like I'm always there. It's my stress reliever. Um, I, um, I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but after I had my third child, I found myself 40 pounds overweight and didn't know how to lose weight. Cause I'd never been overweight in my life before. And literally went to my doctor and was like, can you tell me how to get healthy? Cause I have no idea. I've just eat whatever I want to eat. And I've always been pretty active. And, um, and he put me on a, um, uh, a rhythm and a routine. And I started it and got really healthy and never really kind of looked back. So I mean, made some, some significant life changes. So I've always gone to the gym, but when the gym started closing down, I mean, I was like freaking out. I was like, what am I going to do? Um, and so we did two things. I was super blessed in that, um, on Christmas day, my husband ordered me a mirror. Um, it's called, they call get the mirror is what the actual company is called, but it's, it's an exercise mirror. And so I take classes from the mirror. You can, you can take everything from kickboxing to bar to yoga. I mean, and, and cardio, cardio boot camp, camp, strength training, anything that you want. There's like, you know, I don't even know a hundred thousand classes on there. You can do it live. You can do it on demand. Um, you can do body weight or you can have, you know, whatever, weights and mini bands and whatever that you, that you want, um, whatever kind of tools that they, that they, you know, 
advice for each class. And so he ordered that for me on Christmas day. It came in two days before everything shut down. So I was super blessed in that I got that. Um, but I didn't feel like that was quite enough. So, um, I had one child that was moving out. Um, I have two that are the same age and I had one child that was moving out and we turned his room into a gym. And so (laughs) so I have a gym in my house right now, which I'm pretty excited. I've got a row machine, a water row machine and a treadmill and, um, a Versa climber and, um, I've got a bench. And so I turned that into it. And then I have the mirror, um, you know, but it's in my bedroom right now cause we have hardwood floors in here. So, um, I'll, I mix it up a lot. I don't do the same thing every day. Um, I do kind of plan it out. So I know that I'm going to do the mirror four days a week. Um, I'm going to go for a run three days a week. I'm going to lift at some point. Sometimes I'll do cardio strength. So I'll do cardio while I'm, you know, like I'm doing resistance training as well on the mirror. So I will just kind of like loosely plan it out and say, all right, for the next three days, this is what I'm going to do, you know, towards the end of the week. Um, but I do, I do plan out my workouts because I know, I mean, like, for example, I normally work out on Saturday mornings, but this Saturday morning, I know we're going to the lake. Um, I, when I get back on Saturday from the lake, I'm going to be absolutely drained because the sun and the water drains me. And I already know that. So I was like, okay, so that night I'm going to go for, I mean, I already knew in my head, it was like that night I'm going to go for a walk with my husband and I may do a 15 minute resistance training class because that'll be about as much as I'm going to be doing. So that means the day before that I need to do my cardio. I need to get my cardio in. So I do kind of just plan it out. Um, and I am very, very blessed in this season that because we kind of pieced together this gym. I mean, I went to like the used, the used sports, like play it again sports and <laughs> got stuff from there. I ordered stuff online. Um, I went to marketplace. I've just pieced my gym together, but I, I do kind of love my gym right now. I'm loving it. So that's, that's how I get it in every day. That's good. Yeah. I, I made that investment years ago and then, you know, it was so funny because most people are like, oh, you know, like, how can you not go to a gym or a box or, or the Y or whatever? And it's like, because I just, I can just walk down to my basement and it's yeah. there, there, you know, and then, and then obviously come, you know, March or April, people are like, oh man, I can't go to the gym. I'm like, I'm still going to the gym every week. You know, yeah. I, I'm able to walk down there, which is great. So what happens for you? Have you noticed with, with those rhythms when you go through a season, what what happens like in high stress seasons then? I know you have stretches, whether it's holidays or heavy travel, you know, when we're allowed to travel for clients and those things. Yep. What happens, how, how do you, how do you manage that? And still saying, Hey, I know that my physical health, you know, and, and, and the exercise and, and, and training and what I'm eating and those things really affect me. What, how, how, do, how do those two things merge together? You know, when you have the stressful season and that reality. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that, um, Sunday night is like a reset of expectations. Sunday night is really my prep week. Like, you know, you, you see people who like do like meal prep at the beginning of the week, like Sunday evening is my, I prep for everything. So like, I kind of plan out my workouts. I mean, when I say planning, I'm not spending hours and hours. I'm talking about 45 total minutes, you know, where like I kind of, Frank and I have a 15 minute conversation. I kind of look at my calendar, you know, pick out when I'm going to work, work out for the week, um, check my freezer, see if I need to order groceries that are healthy, them out, you know, that kind of thing. Um, if I'm going to be traveling, what healthy snacks do I need to pack with me? So I'm not eating, you know, like those really good Delta cookies, you know, the ones I'm talking about. Biscoff. Oh yes. Those are, those are too, too good. They're so good. Um, you know, if I don't want to be eating those on the plane, that's not going to give me any energy. And so, um, I mean, when I really, when I say, 
say like I'm, I'm prepping. It's a 45 minute. It's not, it's not, we're not talking about a long time, but it really does set me up for success for the week. Um, the other thing that I just want to mention is I know that when I am in a season of high stress, I struggle to sleep. I struggle to fall asleep. Um, I struggle to stay asleep. And then sometimes I wake up too early if I've, um, so I, so for me, um, like planning out like, okay, I know, you know, this is going to be, so for example, Layla started cheerleading. And so she had to be at school super early a couple days. So I made it a priority to make sure that everything was kind of wound down by 10 PM so that I could get in bed earlier that night. Um, because for me, sleep is like, I'm, I'm not a person that has to have eight, nine, 10 hours. If I get seven, seven and a half good hours of sleep, I'm good, but I have to have seven. And I'm not talking about going to bed and then staying up for an hour and a half reading. I need seven, seven and a half good hours of sleep every night um, to be able to function. And so again, that's that, that Sunday night prep, looking at your schedule and saying, am I going to get seven hours in? Because if I'm not getting seven hours in and then I have a day, this happened a few weeks ago. Um, something happened really late in the evening. I didn't get my sleep in that I needed. I had to get up super early because my coaching started at eight 30 and I had five hours of coaching that day. Um, and by the time that I got to that fifth hour, I was literally having to tell people, have I said this already? If have I, cause I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I couldn't keep track of everything. I was, I was to- my energy was zapped. I was totally out and I know I wasn't doing my best coaching. So sleep for me is a really big deal, but all of that, the, the meal, the meal planning, the, the, the preparing for, you know, when my workouts are going to be and my sleep and then setting expectations that all happens for me on Sunday. Maybe not Sunday's not your day. Maybe it's Friday, Saturday. I don't know, but you do have to have a time when you, when you kind of prepare for the rest of the week. Yeah. So I did an episode talking about biohacking um, that you can find somewhere in there, you know, and I, I spent a lot of time looking at how can I improve my sleep? Cause sleep is just, I've, I've spent so much in the last year and a half doing a lot of research on sleep. Um, you know, there was one study that I was looking at that talked about how uh, lack of sleep impairs our ability to read social cues. Right. So leaders, I mean, consultants, if you're in sales, you're a teacher, heck, if you're, you know, in a relationship, right. So lack of sleep, um, so our amygdala, which controls our emotions, right. And our prefrontal cortex. So that's like reasoning and decision-making, they don't function well. Right. So they, they lose their, when you get enough sleep, you know, their, their ability just drops. Right. So you pull an all nighter or you're binge watching or, you know, I mean, again, I was talking to someone, they're like, yeah, you know, I get my best, you know, my best works from like 12 to three in the morning, you know, and then it's like, what in the world? Right. Well, your ability the next day to read the room, right. To perceive people's facial expressions. I mean, the study shows that it, it's actually going to be worse, right. You're, you're going to, you're going to fail, you know, at that. So, you know, I tell people, Hey, if you got a big presentation tomorrow, yeah, I know you need to cram the single best thing you could do is just get good sleep. Yeah. You know, cause if not, then you're going to be like, wait a minute, is he confused? Is he excited? Is he mad? Wait, did I forget something? Did I did I just offend someone? You know, I mean, you're just, your mind's going to be spinning and you're going to fail at that. Um, and so that sleep. Well, uh, also, I just don't, when I'm super tired and worn out, I just, this is just being honest. I don't care as much. <laughs> like I'm not as considerate cause I'm just tired. And so like, you know, maybe I'm not reading you, but I also just don't care that I'm not reading you because I'm so freaking tired, you know? Yeah. And so I think that also plays into it as well. Yeah, which, I mean, it's one of those where, I, you know, I've asked a number of, you know, pastors that I've worked with. It's like, man, you know, they have to be up so early, typically on Sundays. It's like, how many of you, I wonder how many of them that first time, that first service they're preaching, like are walking in tired, you know, because staying up or, you know, yeah. 
oh, I just, I don't know, just that, that thought of like, man, you, if you make a, if you're, if, if you make a, you know, your job or career is dependent upon reading people and, you know, communicating and interacting, I mean, leading meetings, all those things like sleep should be your, one of your highest priorities, if not the, I mean, it's, I was listening to a podcast with the, this doctor who works for the PGA tour and he was just, he, he calls it uh, free medicine. Uh, so sleep, sunlight, um, exercise, he's, he, he's just kind of his phrase, free medicine. He's like, you know, and sleep is one of those things. It's, it, it's, it's close to, we're talking about magic laughing earlier, talking about magic and magic bill. Sleep is probably the closest thing you can get to that. Yeah. Um, so here's a question. So I know uh, you've been doing a lot of study and research here lately, uh, especially during the, you know, shutdowns and those things and uh, kind of the, what the, the cancel culture, everything's kind of getting shut down and, and that. Um, so you've been doing a lot of research and then helping churches and, and, and leaders look at you know, how to, how to navigate like anxiety and fear and just all of that. That's, that's, that's hitting, it seems like children and, you know, adolescents really hard. Uh, I'd love to camp out here for a few moments. I'd love for you to share a little bit. Hey, why did you start focusing on this? Like, why did you start digging in and then start sharing a little bit? Hey, what are you seeing in that? Yeah, man, I've been fascinated. So I led a coaching group. Um, it probably ended about three or four weeks ago, but it went on for about six weeks. Um, and it was about um, child and, and adolescent teen um, anxiety and the rise of it and how we can help um, um, in, empower parents to help their children, but also um, how we can equip our volunteers in, in our churches and in our ministries um, to, you know, minister to these children and these teens and, and to these families. And um, it, it really became fascinating to me because um, about a year and a half ago now, my oldest son, the one I just mentioned that moved out, um, he was in a really, really bad car accident and he ran his truck off of the side of a bridge. He ended up upside down, submerged in a river, like the the horrible nightmare, right? That, that parents like, you know, worst case scenario had to break out a window and swim to the riverbank and all this kind of stuff. And he actually came out with only his arm was scratched up because where he'd broken the window, he actually came out and God definitely had a hedge of protection around him. But my daughter, um, came up on the scene with my husband and, um, and, you know, my, my son was actually okay, both mentally and physically. He was fine. He bounced back, but it really rocked my daughter. And so for the next nine months, my daughter experienced incredible separation anxiety. And we're not talking about a two or three-year-old here. Um, she was 11 at the time. And so, I mean, we're, I mean, to the point to where I would have to push her out the door of the car to get her to go into school. I mean, it was just, I mean, I couldn't leave her at dance. I would camp out at her dance studio for, three, four hours just to, um, so that she could make it through her, her dance classes and her dance routines. It was just incredibly hard, hard season. And I was felt completely helpless to help her. And so, um, we did get her with the counselor and, um, and they connected with her school counselor and over time it did get better. But I realized that I'd heard lots of ministry leaders, lots of parents. I had heard all of them talk about, you know, the increasing anxiety in kids and teens. And I was like, well, I've experienced this myself. And so, um, I, you know, had connected with this incredible therapist. Her name was Chinway Williams. And I said, Hey, would you be interested in doing this coaching group with these ministry leaders? And she did. And so that's how we kind of came, it all came about. Um, the one thing that I real, like, I didn't realize exactly what anxiety was. And here's the definition that she gave us for anxiety. 
So we're going to interrupt this interview for just a minute to have our biohack of the day. So one of the things we talk about a lot is how do we get better sleep? Because we know sleep has so many implications for our work, for our mood, for our health, for our energy, right? So here is a really easy free hack that can help you get better sleep. So one of the things that happens in your body for you to fall asleep is that it naturally starts to cool down. So when your body stays elevated, when your uh, temperature stays elevated, your body has a hard time falling asleep. It delays the release of certain hormones like melatonin and that, that will help calm your brain and send your body into a sleep state. Well, one of the things that happens is that when we eat food, our body temperature, our internal body temperatures naturally rise because that's part of the digestive process, right? So when we eat, our body temperature rises, a bunch of stuff happens. We won't get into that biology right now, but it takes a while for that temperature then to drop and kind of phase out of that digestion. And so when you eat late at night, what it does is it starts that digestive process, which then raises your body temperature. And so a simple hack is just try not to eat anything within two hours of when you're going to fall asleep. So whether it's again, just a little, little, you know, bite of that cake or a couple chocolate chips or even something healthy, right? You're going to eat a carrot stick, going to drink a glass of red wine, whatever it is. As soon as you eat that, it's a, sends your body into digestion, raises your body temperature, and then that just is going to delay your ability to, to fall asleep quickly and get the rest that you need. So back to our interview. Going to school, it's not like it was before. And so all of these stress that, that is on our kids and our teens right now, all of that stress is just compacting the issue and just making it even, even greater. And, 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 and again, it's, it's, um, they're looking at the situation thinking this situation is far bigger and I can't cope. And so that's where the anxiety is coming. It's, it, it blew me away because it was things that was like, this is so such common sense. Um, but I don't think I really had ever put it in that framework before. And it's really weird as someone who has struggled with anxiety, it's really hard to explain. I mean, when I, even when I try to explain it to, I mean, I have some friends that when I start sharing, they're like, oh man, I understand that. I, I've been through that. It's funny of like, you know, I kind of feel like it's the, the scarlet letter, you know, type. And it's like, no, actually, no, I've dealt with that. Or I totally understand that. Um, but it's some for, for people that have, have never just experienced that moment. It's so hard to explain because it is, it is like a, it's like I, you can kind of step out and look and like, I, what, what it's just so hard to explain. Cause it's like, I don't know why I wish I did not think like that in these times, you know, there, there's those, there's that, maybe there's some guilt and maybe that's some of it too. I haven't dug deep into that, you know, kind of path. If there's like, do I feel guilty? And that kind of exacerbates the problem. But um, it, it's, it's a reality. I know it's a reality for a lot of leaders and, and, and I'm excited. There's more people talking about it. There's more, you know, people are open to that conversation saying, Hey, it's a reality. You know, it's like, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, I there was a couple of things that she said that you're not supposed to say to people. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have said all of these things. 
<laughs> like you're not supposed to say, just, just calm down. It's going to be okay. If they could calm themselves, they would. <laughs> and, you know, so like somebody telling them to calm down doesn't actually help. It's just, you know, exasperates the, the issue itself. And, um, you know, and like um, it, it just some of the things that she said that, you know, like you shouldn't say, I was like, oh my gosh, I say all of these things all the time. Um, so, I mean, it was just, it was, man, it was such an eye-opening experience for me. But I think, like, one of the things that I think, too, that, and this ties directly back to what we're talking about and, and what you're doing here, um, is that when you are unhealthy, um, everything is going to feel bigger than what it already was, you know, and if you're, if you already struggle with anxiety, if that's something that you're already like, that's an issue for you. If you're unhealthy, if you're not getting enough sleep, um, if your energy is low, I mean, everything is going to feel insurmountable, right? And then you're going to feel like, because you're drained, you're going to feel like that you can't cope with it. And so, um, I do feel like that the, the energy factor is a really big deal when dealing with anxiety. So one of the things that, how that's connected. And for me, what kind of started me down this road years ago when I was trying to figure out with anxiety. So the therapist I was going to was saying, Hey, you should think about medication. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I am not against medication. I'm not like a, I'm not, I don't, I don't sit in, you know, at either camp. It's like, Hey, if it'll help, if it's safe, you know, so I started digging in. And so basically, you know, one thing is that one of the, this is, this is really kind of what started my whole biohacking journey. And so, Maybe my wife will uh, understand it more. Of like, why do you spend so much money on this stuff? Um, but this was the first thing that really opened my eyes. Of like, oh wait a minute, and the connection was so. Uh, most like anxiety medications, they're SSR, so they're serotonin. I can't uh, regulator. Uh, uh, basically, they 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 keep more serotonin rotating through your body, right? So it's when it gets used. It, it gets upregulated and then it gets, kind of gets recycled and then kind of, you know, and then your body produces more and it's just kind of this cycle. Well, the studies, I mean, they kind of backed into this. So it's one of those where what they found was so people with anxiety, with high levels of depression, um, some ADHD type of stuff, they had low serotonin. So they kind of backed into saying, Hey, we don't exactly know how it works, but, in all these cases, this is the common denominator. So they basically came up with this idea of, hey, we can keep more serotonin there. Okay, so I'm like, okay, so serotonin, but it's a neurotransmitter. So your body produces it. It's a chemical, uh, um, basically helps your body do certain, it's like a trigger, kind of a light switch, turn certain things on, right? Very scientific for you scientific people. Yes, I know. But serotonin is one of those that they say, Hey, if you need more of it. If you, if you have less of it, you're going to be more anxious. You know, you, you're, you're most likely going to, you know, you're more at risk for depression and those things. Okay. Well, so I start looking in. So great. So how do I get more serotonin? We're like, well, you know, your brain uses it, blah, blah, blah. Well, like 8% of serotonin is found like throughout your body, like uh, can be found like through muscle cells, different stuff. Um, less than 1% of, of serotonin is actually in your brain. 90% of serotonin is in your gut, like your microbiome through your digestive tract. And so I started re digging into that. And then you learn like, oh, like what I eat or what I don't eat and how I eat and when I eat, all that actually is having a huge impact on the hormones that my body creates that is impacting how I feel. So this idea of like, you know, man, I feel bad after I eat a big meal. I was like, well, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of that. This is 
man, I feel anxious because my brain doesn't have what it needs to because something is messed up right. because of my nutrition. And it was like, that just blew my mind when I first, you know, read that and was like, well, wait a minute. Like, so maybe, and so that just, so that's one of those things where it's like, man, it, it is connected and you know, it's important. And it's like, we just, again, I'm not, this is not an anti-medicine deal. I know there's, it helps people and I take medicines for other things, but the reality of, of it is connected and you know, you got to take, there's just multiple things you can do there and you don't realize, Hey, wow, that that's having a, a big right. impact. Um, yeah. So what are, what are you, what are you coaching leaders, you know, uh, parents, what are you, what are you coaching them to do, especially during this season? Like how, what should they be looking out for? How can they, we know a few things they shouldn't say, <laughs> what right. else can, what else can they do? Like, how can they help? Right. Well, I think one of the part of it is just talking, right. And, and, and not trying to, to press for answers, but, um, most people who are struggling with anxiety, they, they just need to, to work through, talk through the issues. Um, and so like lots of questions, like, how are you feeling? Why do you feel that way? Um, you know, what is it that's creating this feeling? Um, because what happens is you're, we're not trying to take away the problem and situation. We've got to all learn how to cope, right? Like we're all going to have issues through our whole life and we're going to have to learn how to cope. But we need, we need to help kids and teens specifically get to a place where they realize how they're building the issue up or they realize that they can cope with it. And so it's just really asking the right question. So like, what, what is it that's bothering you right now? Like, you know, how, you know, how, how is this, you know, like, like just all of the, the what, why, you know, where, when all of those questions, letting them talk through it, work through it. And then, um, and then allowing them to see, oh, wow. Okay. This is not quite as big as what I anticipated. I can cope with this, but a lot of times I just need to like verbally work through it with someone. That's why counseling is so effective. Like that, you know, like a lot of times you don't, I'm, I'm the same way with you. I don't, as you, I don't have any issue with medicine if it's needed. Um, but a lot of times with anxiety, um, it, it can, a lot of times it's just teaching coping mechanisms. One of the things that Layla, um, um, used to do is they would, they would say, as soon as you started to, to feel anxious in, in school, um, they would say, you know, look around and, and identify five things that you can see, four things that you can touch, um, three things that you hear, two things that you smell, and like one thing that you can taste or something like that. And it was it's really just a calming mechanism and it's a distraction from those anxious thoughts right here in the moment. Um, and so, and again, that's just teaching coping mechanisms. So working through it, talking through it, and then learning some coping mechanisms so that they can cope and so that they don't blow the situation, you know, out of proportion. Hmm. That's so good. That's so good. Hey, I know you're super passionate about developing women's leaders, uh, yeah. women leaders. Um, you've got a great resource. You're, um, your women's leadership workshop podcast, 50 some odd plus episodes been recording that for years um, in your work, you know, there and again, helping and equipping that. I'm just curious about, you know, what are some of the, the lessons you've learned there? What are some of the, some of the practical things that you're, you're, you know, helping equip, you know, leaders in, in that realm? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, if I, to make, put it all in a nutshell, right? Okay. Let's talk about like why women don't have the opportunities to lead a lot of times that men do. Um, and that is a lot of times because we, we don't fight for the opportunity. Um, and so I always ask people, like, just ask, just ask for the opportunity. If I'm talking to a, a female friend and they're like, you know, I got looked over, go ask why you got looked over. Why were you, why, what, what did, what was I lacking? Tell me, you know, so that I can fix that. And then, so like, 
I'm always telling people just ask for the opportunity. Um, you know, I read a, a book recently that talked about how um, women are expected to be kind um, and men are expected to be strategic and fierce. Um, and <laughs> I'm not quite sure where, <laughs> why we, why that came about, but if, uh, if a woman in is, uh, you know, in a, in a boardroom or in a meeting and she says something that maybe isn't, is considered unkind, then she might be called a nasty word or she may be thought of in an unkind light. But if a man says the same thing, they're like, gosh, he's strong and he's fierce and like he's unwilling to back down. Um, and so we, we have a lot that we have to overcome um, as women, a lot of stereotypes, a lot of, you know, things. I mean, there's so much research that's been done. I think probably all the research that you that you put in with, um, with you know, the, the energy side of things is probably about the same amount of like, why, why do we have these stereotypes in society right now? Um, and it's, it's kind of crazy. There's so much about it. But one of the reasons is because we don't ask for the opportunities. We don't, you know, like not demand as in like, um, like in a, um, you know, like in a forceful way, but at the same time, there's nothing wrong with walking in and saying, you know, like, Hey, I, I really want to, what do I need to do to, to, to make that happen? Because I want, I want there. Um, and I'll tell you, like, I'm looking back over my life and the significant things that had occurred to me was, wasn't because someone laid something out on a platter and was like, here, it was because I said, I want to do that. Um, I wanted to be the, um, the online campus pastor for elevation. That was not a job that, that anyone was looking at for me for. And I asked probably 15 times if I could have that position before, um, you know, they gave it to me. So I think one of the things that we can just do is just ask for the opportunity. And, and if you need to be bold about it and step out of your comfort zone, then do it. But I do think that right now we've got to ask for opportunity and then ask with an expectation that something is going to happen because a lot of times we ask. And then if they say, no, we're like, okay. And we just like retreat back into our shell no I'm gonna ask okay okay I hear you saying no what now you know and so um because leader development is leader development for women and men I mean honestly like if I'm developing leaders I'm not going to do anything specifically different in developing a woman or a man except that I'm going to tell a woman that she's probably going to need to fight for those opportunities a little bit more but that's it like the development part is pretty much the same so women can lead just as strongly as men can they just have to be given the opportunities and if you're not then you got to fight for those that's good you know, the, we talk about mindset is so important for your energy and, and for your productivity and just, yeah. you know, having that, that, the, the right mindset or just the, having the mindset that, that, that you have, you're proactive with, right. Versus right. just kind exactly. of, you know, taking it on. And I think that that's so important of, if you have the mindset of understanding, okay, this is the reality of what's in front of me then I can make better decisions. And then when things don't go how I want them to, you know, number three right. on the Enneagram, then, okay, here's how I know I can respond. Here's, I, I, you can kind of build that in, you know, I think that helps. And I, that's so important, especially when on the health stuff, because um, this great, great illustration of, I saw of, you know, imagine basically a, like a straight line or like, you know, a line from the bottom left up to the right, you know, it's like growth. So it's like, you know, this was the, this was my, you know, health trajectory, you know, of, you know, or, you know, of muscle gain, weight loss, all that. It was like, yeah. you know, all positive. And it's like, actually what it looked like was, you know, up, down, back, for you know, like it was just, yeah. it was jagged. It wasn't this great process, you know? And so I think having that mindset is so important. I, I want to switch gears here. A couple of rapid fire questions uh, to, to wrap us up. Um, so pontificate as, as quickly as, as you can here. All right. So how does your best day start? Um, in prayer, <laughs> like no joke. Like I start every day in prayer. 
um, because I, that is energizing me. I don't pray when I wake up in the morning. Like, it's not like I'm opening my eyes and I'm like, dear Jesus, I mean, I have to wake up. Um, but I typically will pray um, and listen to worship music while I'm getting ready. So while I'm putting my makeup on, fixing my hair, um, I'll start that way. Um, and then I also will, I listen to a podcast or, um, you know, an audio book or something to kind of get my, my wheels going, my, you know, and, and kind of inspire me for the day. Um, sometimes I finish it. Sometimes I don't, there's no real expectation there, but, um, starts with prayer. Um, and then, and then, you know, trying to go into learning mode, like what can I learn that will set me up for success for today or tomorrow, either way. It's good. How do you recover from a really stressful season? Um, yeah, so I'm not great at this because I'm a three. Um, so even, uh, even a a stressful season, um, you know, I'm already thinking about what's next. So like, okay, this was great, but what's next week and what's, you know, I have learned over time. Um, I have a few hobbies, things that I do that are, um, very life-giving to me. Um, I mentioned the lake. Um, I do love to be on the lake. And so if, if it is remotely warm enough to be out there, um, I'll take some time off. I also love to read. Um, I like to read fiction. So, um, so I like scary books. I like murder mysteries. I like crime books and it is, it is definitely an escape for me. And I will, um, I will take time. Like I'll schedule time, you know, just to read, um, you know, on a, on a, Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon or whatever. Um, you know, my husband talks all the time about calendaring your life and gosh, you should have him because he's a productivity guru. Um, but one of the things that he taught me several, several years ago is to calendar your off time because otherwise it'll get absorbed into other things, especially coming out of a stressful season. Like you need to put, to put time in your calendar. Um, I'll tell you, there was a season that I was super, um, stressed and was not sleeping good at all. And there was one day when I was like, I'm going to take an afternoon nap. I read this article that was like 26 minutes is that is the right amount of nap time before you go into like the deep sleep and whatever. Anyways, so I took this nap and I woke up totally refreshed like 26 minutes later. And so there was a season where I scheduled a nap because I wasn't sleeping good at night because I was really worried about some things. Um, I scheduled in a nap and I mean, now I'm past that and it's okay, but I had to make that adjustment in my daily schedule because I I couldn't keep going. I couldn't like at three o'clock hit and I was like dead. I was dragging. And so um, I'm not suggesting that you should do that. All I'm saying is that um, you've got to be willing to make some adjustments when you're coming out of stressful season and you have to calendar your off time for sure. That's good. All right. What do you do the night before a big, to prepare for like a big event, you're speaking, you do a lot of speaking, you do a lot of presentations or whatever it may be. So what do you do in the night before? Yep. So, um, I will, um, always try to get in bed by 11 o'clock. I'm a night owl, so I could like easily stay up till 12 or one if I, if I allowed myself to, but I, 11 o'clock is like my latest, like I got to get in bed by 11. Um, and so, um, I will definitely make sure that I do that. So I'm planning that. I will, if I'm, if I've got a, um, a talk or, um, you know, like a teaching that I'm going to do, I will look over, I probably won't stand in front of the mirror and rehearse the whole thing, but I'm going to look through it. Um, just get fresh about it. I read something when I was in college that the best way to study was to cram and then go to sleep. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I read. And I've literally practiced that my whole life, whether I'm doing a, a speech or whether I'm talking or doing a teaching or whether I have a presentation or whatever I will review over it one time and then I'll go to bed early um, and sleep on it and then get up and feeling refreshed so that's kind of been my routine since college all right last one what's your most unhealthy guilty pleasure oh um I have a couple of things that I eat that are not good for you um so I love M&Ms they are death I mean like I have a pack underneath my desk right now if you call <laughs> 
They're my go-to candy. Um, I probably this episode is sponsored by <laughs> M&M's. <laughs> I mean, I probably have a good handful or maybe even two if it's a stressful day. Um, I, do, I do splurge on M&M's. Um, and I, I do like caffeine, but I like my caffeine um, via Diet Mountain Dew, not coffee. Um, I don't like coffee at all. Um, and so um, I do. Those are my two guilty pleasures. But I'm trying to do better. Greg, I'm trying to do better. <laughs> I love it. I mean, now I have lots of good. I have, I have a, I have a sweet tooth. I love chips and salsa. Um, chips and salsa—that's good. Like the kids have been learning more uh, baking skills, and so they're trying out. They're like, "Dad, try my, you know, try my cheesecake." And it's like, you know, the presentation is still not quite there, but man, that's a lot of yummy, sugary, creamy. I mean, it's just you know, it's like, yeah. good gosh. Yeah, uh, well, hey, thanks for joining us today, uh, being on the show, Sharon. So helpful. I know this is going to help a lot of folks, but hey, where can people find you? How can they stay in touch? How can they uh, continue to learn from you? Yep. So on Instagram, it's at Jessica Beeler. At, on Twitter, it's at Jessica Beeler. Facebook, it's Jessica Potter Beeler. Um, one thing for ministry leaders, I have a group called Mastering Ministry Workshop, and it's a closed Facebook group. But I mean, we have about 2,000 um, ministry leaders in that group right now. And I'm always doing like, things to encourage you, giving away free resources, eBooks, that kind of stuff. So um, that's probably the best way to interact is to find that Facebook group. You can request to be a part of it and I'll approve you, but it's Mastering Ministry Workshop um, on, on Facebook. But every, all on all social media, it's at Jessica Beeler. So you can find me there. Awesome. All right. Thanks, friend. Talk to you Thank soon. You. All right. As always, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would share it with your friends. And if you really enjoyed it, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening, that would be a huge help so that other leaders can find us and learn more about what we're learning about. And don't forget, you can get 10% off your entire order at peakenergynutrition.com with the code PODCAST, 10% off your entire order. And remember... You owe it to those that you lead and to those that you love to bring your best energy. We'll see you next time.